It's June 2nd, 2022, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. Well, hey, we actually did a a more upbeat intro (laughs) Intro this time. Uh, Oh, I listened back on that, and I was just like, oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was excellent. It was just just the best thing. And and guys, for the most part, we we would have recorded, re-recorded that intro, but it was too much to pass up. I mean, like, come on. So, yeah, so so we are back, and I know, I know, I know, I know we... I know we promised that we'd be talking to Michael Fitz on this podcast, but for some reason, I don't know, he has a new child, he's got work, you know, just having trouble scheduling some time <laughs> to sit down because that would never happen with a parent, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah. And, and he's traveling to Florida this week for one of his projects. So, oh, so wow. he's, so he's on, top he's, on top of all of that. Yeah. He's got a three-week-old child. He's got his own startup and he's traveling to Florida on top of that. So it, it was an interesting week to try to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would imagine it would be. So for this podcast, we're going to be talking about something that I think a lot of you are familiar with, probably because you live in one or you've heard horror stories of living in one and that's that's we're gonna be talking about hoas so today our episode is going to be a what if hoa edition and we're going to be talking about what if hoas were actually good or useful for the community rather than the evil pits of doom that they they usually are so so today we're just going to be going through some of the highs or, or, or lows of, of HOA life as most people know it and and then trying to imagine what could be what what could be done differently and I think we've all heard the horrible HOA stories because invariably one or two will pop up through the year on the news because someone has done something absolutely insane because that never happens usually it falls along the lines of you can't park your truck in the driveway and and the neighbor retaliating somehow or or your neighbors neighbors ratting each other out to the HOA because their grass is you know a quarter of an inch too high. <laughs> it's like it's like your own little 1984, but at a suburban scale. Yeah, with, with your own rulers living right next door. Yeah, the little tyrant ne- next door yeah. just making your life miserable, or or the or the tyrant on the on the HOA board. And I think that's I think the. What, what people miss, though, is, is that because you talk about how, how bad HOAs can be and to the point of you were telling me, you know, and reminded me that they can take your house. Yeah, I did not know this before, before I, I was just looking random stuff up. And I was just like, I did not know that they could take your house for your refusal to pay dues. Yeah. Well, that's some evil stuff right there. Well, yeah, it's evil. I mean, but, but I mean, it's, I mean, there's a part of me that says, well, you bought into the HOA and it was written that way already. So did you not read the rules? Which would be, you didn't read the rules when you bought your house because who does? You were trying to sign 1600 pages of paperwork, but you bought into it. You bought into this neighborhood that has this HOA. These are the rules. Suck it up, buttercup, <laughs> because this is the way it is. But, but at the same time, it is the people on the board who are adamant about enforcing some of these rules. So, so the structure for an HOA isn't necessarily evil itself. It's how it's run by the people who are running it. 
Yeah, so I guess if you're friends with all the people on the board, then you're good. Well, that's true. I mean, that certainly doesn't hurt. It doesn't <laughs> hurt at all. But but at the same time, I, th- I think the HOAs do get such a bad rap because we hear all of those stories. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, and, and, you know, and HOAs were were first established in the early 1900s with the with the specific intent of excluding racial minorities. Yeah. And and that's something I can completely see. Yeah. 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 No, but, but so if you have that kind of, of power and, and responsibility within a, within a small community, because on a day to day basis, your neighbors are the people that besides your family and your coworkers, that your neighbors are the next group of people on that chain of of of, within your circles of of social structure your neighbors are the people that you see probably the most often around see i was thinking seven levels of hell (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's not really accurate you don't say that about your family but yeah yeah your neighbors are the ones that are sort of within that little circle so yeah um, so we thought, well, what if, you know, things were different? What if instead of a circle of hell, it was an actual community that, that, that was working together towards a common goal rather than tearing each other down? What if we could think about this in a different way? Like a cult. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a regular HOA. But what if there was something that HOAs could do that was actually, I don't say useful, but beneficial, that people would see as being beneficial and, and provide a real tangible, that's what I'm looking for. Good. Goods or services, maybe? Goods and services? Yeah, maybe so, because that's, I think, probably a little bit of what we'll talk about is goods and services. Mm-hmm. And um, what's what was the first thing you came up with? Because I this would never have occurred to me, even though I've seen co-ops in certain areas, uh, smaller cities, smaller towns. Yeah, well, so the first thing um, that I thought of when we started talking about this was uh, there is a an apartment complex in New Orleans called the St. Peter's Residential. It's a it's a affordable apartment complex in New Orleans with a solar farm and battery bank that during Hurricane Ida was able to keep the power on the entire time during the hurricane when the rest of the city completely lost power and these people were doing just fine. And, and, and it was all because the, the community was structured in such a way that, okay, everybody's feeding into these solar panels, so everybody gets to benefit from it. And, and, and you know, you're building that community to have that extra little something when, some, when times go bad. That, that, that seems like it's a pretty powerful thing in my book. Well, yeah, and you think about these smaller towns that will have electricity co-ops. So they're, they're you know, they are, they're, you're not dealing with, you know, Atmos, or you're not dealing with TXU, or, you know, you still have to deal with Encore, but that's, you know, just a nature of things. But they, you have a small energy co-op, and I, I think that could be something that would be good. I mean, you think about, think about, like, in Dallas, when we had that storm that blew through, that, like, we lost so much power. And that's not, not the freeze, but, like, the big, we had a big, bad thunderstorms and wind come through and really just wreak havoc. My whole neighborhood was dark for three days. So that sense of if as a HOA or as a small community, you had your own sort of power grid, then yeah, I think you, you think, okay, this is what my HOA does for me. Not my HOA says I have to do this. 
this is this is what they'll actually do for me, not to me. I guess you know. Maybe, and I feel like you have to think of it as investing in the community rather than the community pushing you down. Type. Yeah, and I guess that's that's true in that sense. You know, because we think about well, my HOA says my lawn has to be this tall. My HOA says I can only plant these flowers or I can only plant these types of trees. And so suddenly now I've got from the flip side of that is like, oh, if I do these things, here's what they can provide for me. There's that trade-off. Would you be more amenable to dealing with the shrubs and the flowers and the lawn and all that sort of stuff if <laughs> Matthew's wrinkling his nose? But I think, but I think there's, what's the payoff? What's the incentive? So knowing that in a bad storm and bad weather that, you guys may still have some power and be able to function when other people can't. I mean, there's that, I don't know if that's a. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and to, to that point, or what about other utilities, whether it be water or sewer treatments or, or even, even internet. Like I, I know um, certain communities uh, started certain actually cities actually started providing internet for their, for their, for their, for the residents that didn't have access to either one good choice or any other kind of options. Mm -hmm. And so now fun fact, the, 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 the state governments came in pretty quickly and squashed that because the internet lobby or the, the, the ISPs were so against the idea of cities providing electric or free internet, free internet or, or reduced cost internet that was competing directly with them. So they threw a, a hissy fit and, and very quickly got banned in, in a vast majority of states. But there are still some places where internet is provided at either a reduced cost or at cost. Mm -hmm. For its residents, because that's that's what started happening. Well, and you think about poor neighborhoods. You know, especially in poor neighborhoods, that providing that kind of service, where you know they couldn't necessarily afford it on their own. Rural neighborhoods too, where you know they they may not have as easy access because there isn't the internet companies aren't running around running lines everywhere. So how do we make it so that they have access? Because you think about so much of what we do now is online. Everybody working from home. I want to pay my bill online. I want to do this online. I do that online. School, school, schooling online. So yeah, so so it is. I guess that same concept is if your HOA can provide that for you in sort of a reduced, you know, reduced right because you are coming in as a block of people doing and asking for that. I, th I think there's certainly something to be said. So yeah, so utilities in general, if that was part of your HOA, would you feel better about having to do some of the other things? I, I personally would and see and and just just from you and us you and me talking about this we've already solved the rural internet crisis throughout most of Texas if if if, if any government people are listening <laughs> yeah yeah I don't think so but, but that'd be nice and or, yeah. or wait do we want them listening I don't know probably not. probably not probably not but the other thing too is, is is something that we thought about too was was food scarcity. If the HOA is going to make you plant certain things in your front yard, couldn't it be like food stuff in your front yard? I mean, like, like, cause, cause I know that you're, you're a big proponent of this cause I, I've seen your front yard, but I've actually seen it. I saw it on this television show, British TV show years ago, uh, that was a couple, they, he quit his job and they decided they were in a sustainable farm on their 
property in their suburban London neighborhood. And that's what they did. They turned the front yard into their little farm. This is where they were growing their food. So if the HOA is going to say you have to plant certain things, could they not say, you know, you're free to plant whatever edibles you want to... <laughs> I mean, that's... In my ideal world, that's where we would be at. Like, everybody would pay into the pot, and then, you know, you'd have you'd have some... You'd either... You'd either either rent your yard to the to the local agricultural so they come in and and just till up your front yard and then plant rows of corn or cotton or well i wouldn't do cotton in texas anymore no. the, the, the soil is so tired as it is but yeah but, but i don't even think about that you know you're you are i always think about how many tomatoes when i was a kid and, and one of the things we'd always plant would be tomatoes oh, yeah. i'm like Three tomato plants would produce more tomatoes than anybody could ever possibly eat in their lifetime. I mean, it's just amazing. But think about that. If if you had you know, one neighbor who was doing nothing but tomatoes and one neighbor who was doing cabbages. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, you know, sort of working the way through the neighborhood. You think about that. You have a food source within the actual HOA that doesn't require you to get in the car, burn your fossil fuel, go up to the grocery store, pay exorbitant prices because the cost of food is going up. And I mean, it's, it's, you think about how big some of these neighborhoods are. That's, that could be a possibility. Or on the flip side of that, if the HOA did it to find a public area within the neighborhood where it was a small farm space with like, almost like the community gardens you'll see in, in urban areas, the same thing with, except within an actual HOA. Does the clubhouse and an HOA or like planned community really need all that grass <laughs> or, or could we fill it with something edible? So, yeah. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's, and I would never have thought of that until you brought it up. And what better way to get to know your neighbors? I mean, they might be pains in the butt, but mm-hmm. what better way to get to know your neighbor than trading your 50 tomatoes for, you know, 30 squash or, uh-huh. or whatever, whatever the, the going <laughs> barter rate is at the time. You can, you know, yeah. you just you, you, it, establishing connections and meeting people like that. Yeah. I feel like that would also, it, it also goes a long way towards, you know, reducing tensions within a, within a larger community too. If you, if you know the guy who's, you if you know the jackass down the street who hasn't got the shutters painted for the last three years, you know, but you know, you, you see them when you're coming in and trading vegetables or you're you know, looking at each other's whatever. Yeah. No, I could, I could see that being a little, little more, a little bit more community and more, more community friendly. Yes. Yeah. And and God, that one, I'm like, wait, do we sound like like Quakers or some? I, I think we're starting or something. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I think we're starting <laughs> down that path a little bit here. <laughs> but yes, but that's. I mean, this is these are things that obviously you don't hear about that with an HOA. So you know, again, evil HOA over here, and potentially not so evil HOA with this. I mean, what if we did that? What if we actually created that structure so that you had those opportunities within an HOA? Yeah, and 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 I think and so the the last thing we wanted to hit on and probably the more controversial one here is 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 what if your HOA it was able to provide healthcare? So like say for example like like what in general like if if you have a large company that you that you are involved with, you know, let's say it's three hundred people strong, you know, everybody's 
paying in at work to get the healthcare that so you, you you're you're, so you're getting your healthcare through work. So what if we were able to decouple that and, and instead of a group of people that work together, it's in, that gets healthcare. What if it's a group of people that live together that get healthcare? You're decoupling the, the healthcare aspect from working. So that may take some pressure off of you from a, from a work perspective. Like if, if you needed to stop working for whatever reason or you had a kid or you had, you know, some, some, something came up, a pandemic where you lose your job and, and, and you had to, you, you didn't have a regular source of income. To me, it seems like if, if the neighborhood around you would be able to say, yeah, I got you, you still got healthcare because you live here. Mm-hmm. To me, that seems like it's, it would be another beneficial thing to have. Yeah. And then I feel like because you're in that neighborhood structure, you're, they're able to, as a group go out to an insurance company and be like, Hey, we've got this block of people here. What can you do for us? Yeah. What can you do for us based on where you live? And we have this structure built in place as an HOA to be able to provide that. Right. Right. Well, and, and, and two, the interesting thing for me is because we've always been small firm. It was me and my two partners last firm. It's just me this, this time around and getting group insurance for three people is really painful because technically we're a group, but there's not a lot of risk spread across that. So one of my business partners had a lot of past medical issues. Her her rate was insane. Mine was fairly decent. When they came back with a quote, not great, but decent. My other partner was pregnant at the start of the company. Oh. And she didn't want to tell us because she was, wasn't very far along, but you know, the insurance, we were setting up insurance. And like, are you currently pregnant? She's like, oh crap. You know, she's like, okay, I have to answer yes. Well, of course, then her rate was giant. And so suddenly it became untenable for us to actually have a group policy. We paid one partner's insurance. I was on James's insurance. The other partner was on her husband's insurance because there was no other way to make it work. So yeah. So if we could have been part of like a big neighborhood HOA insurance group, then yeah, it would have been easy to go in and say, okay, I don't, you, we don't have to deal with it through work. I can go through my HOA and get a much better policy at a much lower rate. So, so yeah, I, I, there, there is certainly power in numbers and to be able to go in and, and talk to the insurance company and say, we're this many strong. What can you do? And, 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 and I would, I would go as far as like, even like we talked about before, there was the, the, uh, apartment complex that did. I would go as far as going to the apartment complex. Now there you would run, you might run into some issues with, you know, it's a, it's a fairly transient community. Every, there's a lot of turnover and then people are going through that. But I personally think it would, you could get, I mean, geez, at the rate developers are going now, they, they want to stack as many people as you possibly can into a single complex. Yeah. So if you've got, if why not take advantage of the developer's greed and stacking as many people into this building as possible and be like, okay, well, because he stacked all these people in here, well, guess what? Now we have this many people who we can draw from and get an even better rate because we're even more people. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and, and, and all that sounds good. I mean, although we, what if we did this, you know, what if we did utilities? What if we did food, food? What if we did health insurance? 
you still end up with a structure of having a board who's running it. So, you know, do you get the person on the board who's pissed off at you and decides to cut off your power? <laughs> you, you know, uh, so there's always, to me, there's always the human factor in all of this because uh, any organization is, is run by people. Now, granted, you know, there are companies out there that, yes, your boss is pissed off at you. He's going to give you the shittiest work. So, it, you know, there, there is that, that level. But I think to, to have the incentive, you know, what if we have these incentives built into being part of this HOA and hopefully balance out the occasional crazy neighbor who complains because you haven't painted your eaves in, the, in a year or two or you painted it the wrong color or, you know, you get in trouble because your front door doesn't look like everyone else's, you know, that sort of stuff. Would it, you know, <laughs> hopefully ease some of those worst things because, because it's, it's, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's a good, what if it's possible. I think anything's possible. You'd have to be the first neighborhood to try it. I love to see a neighborhood to try it. Love to see a neighborhood try it, not to try it. Well, um, bad, bad English this afternoon. Can you imagine that? But yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it would be would be great to to see a neighborhood do that. And you think about like these planned communities, like Robson Ranch, which is you know it's fifty five and older or whatever, and so it's but it's these are huge neighborhoods, full of retired people, and or or people heading towards retirement, I guess. But you think about these neighborhoods, they're already set up kind of in this very communal, much more so than a regular neighborhood. Oh yeah, well, and you know the like the entire population of Florida is is mostly retirees at this point. Yeah, and I think about the folks, the villages in Florida, which is like the largest retirement community in the U.S. Would these all be things? All these things be possible within that community when they're not driving around drunk on golf carts? I mean, then there's that. <laughs> <laughs> then there's that. So yeah, so so. All that to say that, that, yes, as much as we think that HOAs, we always equate HOAs with being evil. What if there was something about them that, that made them more palatable? Or, I guess more palatable would be a good word. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, but hopefully if you're in a HOA, you're actually having a decent time. We have an HOA. It's very small. They don't enforce, like, yard rules or anything. Mostly it's to collect dues to pay for the median plantings of the medians as you come in and out of the neighborhood and to pay to keep that up. Other than that, anything goes in the neighborhood, <laughs> at least until the Airbnb moves in next door and starts having parties. But that's another, another podcast episode. So, <laughs> so yeah. So hopefully if you're living in one of these, that it's not too hectic for you, not too crazy for you. And no one's tried to come and take your house. But think about that. Think about what if there were these other things and hopefully you know, the next board meeting, maybe you could toss something out. Throw some ideas out and see what sticks to the wall. Yeah, or better yet, get on the HOA board and just ramrod it through like <laughs> like some people do. Like everything else. <laughs> like everything else. This is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things indeed, yes. But we're, we, uh, we're going to let you guys go. And we swear, we promise next week, next time it'll be Michael's interview. Um, in the meantime, if you want to reach me, you can reach me at Larry at SpottedDogArchitecture.com or at SpottedDogArch on Instagram and Twitter. And you can reach the podcast at ArchitectureGeeks.com and find us on Instagram at 
Arch Geeks podcast. Yay! So there's another one for the books, and I think after Michael, we're going to take a we're due for being off, yeah, because yeah. we're going to take June off, but we're snipping a little into June because we got a little behind. Yeah. But oh well. So so hopefully we'll have a few weeks off in June to kind of relax, and then you know after Michael, and then we'll see you in July. But anyway, hope everyone's doing well, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.